Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to uh, Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. And I have another guest with me today. She is one of my reading tutors. She's a reading specialist, and her name is Mary Bowen. Welcome, Mary, today, and thank you for joining us on the show. I appreciate you coming on. Mm -hmm. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know uh, teachers are busy, especially during this time of year here, ending the school year almost. And um, I really appreciate y'all coming on. So we, we're trying to keep these interviews to 15, 20 minutes tops. <laughs> um, so tell us about, let's start with you telling us about why you became a teacher, tutor, or, or both, <laughs> if you like. Yeah, um, so I got into teaching. I, you know, I never saw myself as a teacher growing up or anything like that. But when I was in college, I actually started working with some of the kids that I coached when I was coaching soccer. And I realized that I had a good knack for it, um, especially like problem solving and looking at new ways to kind of reach obstacles that kids were having. And I was like, you know, I can make a career out of this. So I got into the education program and I started doing really well and I just kind of fell into it that way. So. Oh, cool. And what's your, um, tell us your background. You have an early childhood. Uh, yeah, so I am an elementary school teacher. Um, I work with student, pretty much any student you can imagine. I've worked with special ed kids. I've worked with ESOL students. Um, the community that I teach in right now has a really high ESOL population. So we particularly have to focus on a lot of our reading and those foundational skills um, especially with, you know, COVID and everything that's happened, it's been a really big focus. So. Okay. Great. Yep. Reading is becoming one of the top reasons why we tutor. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Especially the younger, the better. And I'm glad to see what's happening is that now that parents were at home during COVID, they have picked up on some weaknesses, right? And now instead of getting calls when they're third and fourth graders, I'm getting calls more while they're first graders. And that's actually, that's a plus. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, so can you share some of your strengths as a teacher and tutor and what those have revealed when it has come to helping kids? Now I know you do, let's say you're doing a kindergartner, a first grader, a couple mm -hmm. first graders, a fifth grader. Mm -hmm. You actually teach in second grade, right? Yes. So I'm currently teaching in second grade. I mean, I've taught fourth grade, fifth grade, all of that. Um, but right now I'm currently in second grade and most of my tutoring students, um, my tutorees, they are on the younger side. Um, like you said, I, I've got first graders, um, second graders, kindergartners, but I'm also able to work with those older students, like the fifth graders. I had one fifth grader that I just finished up tutoring and one that I'm still working with who we've seen really good results with, with her reading. So 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we'll talk about her here at the end. You can talk about, you know, what, what you're doing there. But can you share um, like maybe one to two weaknesses and problems that most kids that you see that have that we they, we spot that there's a problem with reading. So is there yeah. particularly something in there? I know there's a lot of kids that are coming up having dyslexia, but it, I don't know if it's the diphthongs or phonetics or whatever that you're seeing, like maybe something parents can really like go, oh, I need to be paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, with the younger kids, we see a lot of trouble with their blending sounds and um, their diphthongs and their diagraphs in particular. They, they want to rely really heavily on their phonetic understanding of things. So when they read it, they want to pronounce it the way they remember the, um, like the letter O is supposed to be pronounced. So when you have those diphthongs that are a combination of vowels and stuff like that, mm. the kids really struggle to retain that sound. And so it, I mean, that leads to several issues that we see with some of our um, older students they get, they get older and they start to develop these compensation skills. And so they're lacking in comprehension and fluency skills because they've developed these bad habits early on. So we try to catch them when they're younger and really break them out of the cycle of their, like wanting to pronounce everything phonetically and mm -hmm. gear them up so they can recognize those sounds and everything so that they're better readers. And it leads to a better comprehension as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've noticed, uh, couple I've done with reading. It's usually diphthongs or diagraphs or something like that. Yep. The sounds are tricky. They're very, very tricky. When you ask the kids to say them, I like to do a lot of strategies where they not only have to write and say them, but like feel the way your jaw moves because the kids don't realize that there's just a different way physically of saying mm -hmm. these sounds as well. So, so what's the, the, the one diphthong that you could say they're all stumbling on. Is there one in particular, one or two? Is it the uh, um, AEs and the OUs? <laughs> you know, you think it would really be the AE sound because that E sound, they really just, with when they see the A, they want to be like e -ah, but it's really not. It's a lot of those O sounds that trick them up. And I think it's because there's so many diphthongs that involve that O sound. And you have like the ooh sound, the double O can pre be pronounced ooh or like in the word book, uh. So mm. they, it's just that memorization, they, they see it and they want to think there's one way to say it. So they're going to memorize that, but there's really not. They, they're different in the a context of a word. So the kids get caught up on that. And that's what I said. You really have to break the cycle of that, of just like, no, you can't get stuck in one way of thinking when it comes to reading. So yeah, I, I'll say the English language is not an easy one for reading or writing. No, it's not. Mm -mm. <laughs> um, so what is one strategy or solution that you can share with our parents today that um, may help them if they can do something themselves from home that may help their child be successful? Uh, you can refer back to what we we're just talking about and then share a quick story, how you use that without using the real child's name, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I tell all my students this and the kids that I tutor, I, I'm like, yeah, read, sit with your kid while they're reading and listen to what they're doing, but don't just listen, watch them as they're reading, watch what they're doing. Are they trailing off? Are they following the words um, as they read? Are they pointing to them? And then get a feel for how those behaviors are affecting their reading. And if you notice that they're having an issue with certain sounds, 
make it fun for them. I know I have one student in particular, my youngest student that I tutor, she's in kindergarten. When I notice her getting tripped up on certain sounds and she doesn't want to do the work because she's getting frustrated, I'll try to stop her and be like, okay, point to an object in the room that you think is spelled with the ooh sound. And she'll point at something and I'll be like, okay, that has this, that has this sound, or I'll be like, good job. Or what, where do you go to learn things like school? Try to make it familiar for them because when you're so young, reading is unfamiliar, especially in the English language. Words are hard. Letters are hard. These are things that we take for granted as adults who can read. But when you're first learning how, it can look really challenging. So make it fun for them. Give them something they can color. Give them something they can point to and try to spell the word. And then they're more engaged that way. And they're actually more willing. Always make reading fun. Because if reading's fun, you have a lifelong reader. So... Mm, and try to find something they're interested in, whether it's sports or, I don't know, ballet, if your child's yes. not a sports person. Absolutely. The little girl I just mentioned, she loves unicorns. So I try to bring unicorns into everything that I do with her. So that way she's motivated to actually get it done. Because I'm like, here, if you do this, we can do the unicorn reading passage and you can color part of it. And she's like, absolutely. Okay. Mm. So a lot of what we talked about was reading and, you know, I know a lot of times we get calls. Is there a way, is it, should parents just give up if their child is two years behind or is it possible for the child to catch up and about how long would you say it would take? And maybe it involves, you know, more than school. It might involve tutoring or, I mean, what would be, cause I see this a lot. I'll get a call about a child that's two years behind or almost two years behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we may see a lot more of that now moving forward because COVID has caused some of that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what teachers are seeing right now. It's not impossible. I mean, I see kids every year that come to me and they are two grade levels behind and it really just takes working with them, identifying where their deficiency is, what their specific thing is that's tripping them up and really working with that skill. I've seen kids especially kids who have maybe a first grade reading level that I've worked with all the way up to like fourth grade that they come to me and they're so far behind, but you just work with them consistently. And like I said, you find those areas that they need to improve. You make it engaging for them. I've seen them catch up in a matter of half a year to a full year, maybe not necessarily all the way up to the grade level, but with that consistency, especially if they have tutoring, they're going to get where they need to be. And I, I know I've seen a lot of kids that I've worked with where we've caught them up to where they need to be. And now they're moving beyond it. Like one mm-hmm. student that I tutor, when she came to me, she's in kindergarten, she couldn't even hold a pencil correctly. And she was really struggling. Now she's reading on a first grade level. It just mm-hmm. really kind of took getting her through the motions and figuring out where we really needed to improve with her and staying on top of that consistently. So a special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. Would your child like to improve their SAT or ACT test score so they can get into the college of their dreams? But they need special attention, something they can't get at large classes like Kaplan or Princeton Review. Dynamis Learning Academy offers individual and small group SAT and ACT prep to help your child improve his scores quickly and easily. Go to dynamislearningacademy.com to learn more or reach out at 770-282-9931. 
now I know you tutor a fifth grader who is not from this country, right? Yes. And I know you do ESOL, so you're used to that. So parents who are of another, their child is of another, I mean, I'm Greek, and my reading was not, we were not speaking English, my twin and I, actually, when we first went into kindergarten. I don't know if I've ever told that story. Um, so we had to really learn. And I'd say reading was a weakness of mine because um, we only knew Greek going into kindergarten. So, yeah. uh, so obviously there's hope, right? And people yes. who are, we got a lot of people here. This is the melting pot, right? Of America here, especially in the South, right? So I'm seeing more and more people of Bosnian background, um, mm -hmm. Russian or whatever, right? So I know you, you, you tutor a Russian girl and yes, she was did. below when the father called us, she was below level, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And now where would you say you've worked with her since September and now yes. it's uh, March. She's right about where she needs to be for a fifth grader going into the end of the year. We've really gotten her up to speed. Um, I mean, and her attitude has been a big testament to the progress that she's made. She works really hard and she, like you said, she comes from a different background. She doesn't speak English as a first language. So a lot mm -hmm. of her issues was just decoding not understanding the vocabulary of it and we just we made it fun we found things that she liked to read i taught her different ways to go through and figure out using context clues what words mean and she's really caught up to where she needs to be i know i i mean i grew up speaking uh gosh two separate languages romani and english and um you know my dad doesn't speak romani but my mom does so i code switching and stuff like that while reading it's really difficult mm. for these students these esol students and even the parents the parents come from a background where maybe education isn't seen the same as it is in our country but mm. when the parents get involved and really the students will become involved and mm. Every child is teachable is what I like to tell people. Every single child is teachable. It doesn't matter how low, what background they come from and what language they speak. So it really just takes a lot of hard work and figuring a lot of things out. Even if it, even if you know where the deficiency is, figure the kid out, mm -hmm. figure out why the kid is acting the way they are. Um, maybe it's fear. Maybe they're uncomfortable. Maybe they just don't know that type of thing. So uh yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Do you teach math as well? To I, your I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I see a lot about that is there's a lot of kids today. And since you taught the upper grades as well, that do not know their timetables and they're in fifth grade and they don't have a memorized. We have a seventh grader that doesn't have a memorized. Yeah. So I, yeah. again, you got to work hard. And I think, I don't know, I just remember growing up and my mom and dad were were there to help me because somebody has to drill you right or mm -hmm. or now you got youtube and some other things <laughs> yeah those are the lucky things in education like math facts those are the easy things all you have to do is memorize them there's no trick rhyme or reason to it you just look at it and you memorize it but i after teaching in the upper grades that was something that we saw constantly is these kids just not retaining facts and it's because they don't use them when they go home or maybe they're not as engaged with it in their life outside of school. And that goes back to what we were talking about culture. Um, 
Maybe it's not normal for them to go home and constantly go over what they're doing in school. We don't know what their life is like outside of school. So when we're in school, we Mm -hmm. have to make it fun for them so they can retain those things that are easier. So that way, when they go forward, they don't have those gaps. Mm-hmm. And I can only attest to maybe two things. I know a lot of parents are working today and uh, parents are expecting their child to go home and do this on their own. And there's not, the attention span's not there. They're not going to do it. Yeah. So they won't do it. And there's no consequence possibly. So they're not asking them, okay, so let's go over your sixes, for instance, <laughs> in your timetable. So there's no accountability, right? To see, did they do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's that, I think it's, they find it boring, anything that's rote memorization and maybe, you know, something for parents to think about is if they're not retaining it, why is that? Um, do they have ADHD possibly that could be contributing to that or is it dyscalculia or something else that could be contributing to it? I always tell parents, I say, you know, attitude is easy to fix deficiencies are not. So try to catch the attitude before they develop those deficiencies. Because I mean, I was a latchkey kid, but latchkey kids look really different. I'm only 27. They look really different from when I was in school versus now even Um, cell phones, social media, all that stuff is out there now that when kids are going home, they're not fully unplugging. So they're staying on top of what they want to do. But if you can just give them the right attitude to where they'll sit down and do the work, even if it's hard, they'll do it. And mm-hmm. you can catch those problems quickly. Whereas if they don't want to do it and they're going home and doing whatever they want and you're not staying on top of them down the road in seventh, eighth grade, you know, when things get really hard, they're not going to be where they need to be. And that's where I see a lot of parents start to panic is they wait until those older grades and they go, oh my God, how do I fix this? And mm-hmm. the first thing as a teacher that always goes to my brain is what did you do when they were younger? What, right. what was your, what was your structure? What was your um, plan when you got home, your routine? Cause those routines are very, very crucial in the early years to setting them up for success later. Mm, so. I agree. So, and how many years have you been teaching? Five. Yeah. So, and I have 25 and I agree yeah. with everything Mary just said. Yeah. <laughs> Um, nothing has really changed actually when it comes to the strategies and how to learn certain things. It's it's just the sign of, I guess, the socialness and the technology Mm -hmm. and all these other things have changed things. But really, Mm -hmm. the way we've taught even 25 years ago still works today. It's just kids are not wanting to do it. You know, (laughs) it is a, it's a social, um, it's a very social thing. And I think a lot of people don't realize how social it really is, like how kids behave and the attitude that they have towards their education early on really determines how successful they're going to be even outside of their realm of intelligence, that it sets the tone for how they're going to perform. I know I've got a student personally in my class right now that I teach. She's not the, she's not the highest kid in the class, but she works really hard and she has that good attitude. Whereas I have other students in my class who maybe they are a little bit higher on the intelligence scale and they score really well on tests, but in class, they're not performing as well because they don't have the attitude that they need to have. So like you said, education, it doesn't really change. It's the people in education and it's the society around it that changes. So we have to kind of pay attention to that going forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I hear a lot of kids just 
saying, I give up, I can't do it. I don't know how to do this. They're just immediately blocking it out. I think that's a defense mechanism that they're using, number Absolutely. one. Um, and people are either not hearing that or they hear it and they're like, oh, you, you know how to do this. You mm -hmm. just need to sit down and do it. But unless they have some accountability or somebody like a parent there to push them. And, and, and another thing is don't allow them to keep saying that. Because the more they say it, the more they start to believe they can't do it. I've heard this in, in, in you know, multiplication. I've heard it in timetables with a seventh grader. I've heard it and she's dyslexic. I've heard it with um, a third grader in writing. I hear it all the time. I don't care what the subject matter is. I don't care how old the child is. It could be a teenager. I've heard it with a teenager in chemistry. Yeah. It, it's the same thing. They've been allowed to continue down this rabbit hole <laughs> that they, and I always say to them, boy, you've told yourself a really good story. Gosh. Yeah. This, how long has this story been going on? <laughs> yeah. I always like to tell kids, um, there's two things that I show children all the time. One is a TED talk where I can't remember who the TED talk was for, but this woman says, there's no such thing as I can't. It's just not now or not like this. And so that's what I tell children is, um, you know, Thomas Edison, he invented the light bulb. He found a hundred ways not to make it as well. Um, and he's quoted famously for saying that. So there's always an obstacle that you're going to hit no matter what you do. Even as a teacher, being a professional in education, I know what I'm teaching, but I have to find out new ways to teach it if it's not getting through to a student. So if I just sit here and say, I can't, well, that child's not going to learn. It's the same mindset with kids when they're learning something. It's not that you can't do it. It's that maybe you need to find a different way to approach it or come back to it later. Just keep that positive mindset up because students are capable of so many things and it doesn't matter what they come to us with. It's our job to make sure they get there. So I agree. And, you know, parents, if you can't figure it out or you don't know any other way to do it, then give us a call and we will we'll we'll be able to figure out the first time probably one time i know mary goes in there one time and she can tell what's going on definitely by the second time <laughs> absolutely yeah there's there's no fourth or fifth session where i don't show up with a packet of things to do because i mean even within the first five minutes i've sat down with some students that you and i have both worked with that i've just we've seen the same things not even being there at the same time they've they show and up and they're very loud when they show up. So and you're you're back and that just goes to show you you're a five-year veteran and I'm a 25-year veteran. Yeah. And you're 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 elementary, I'm middle school, and we can still see it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Teachers talk and you know, we see the same things. And I hear a lot of the same things from my peers all the time of this student's missing this or this student didn't get this in the early grades. And I'm just like, you know, have those conversations with the teacher early on. And if you're sitting with your children and you're working with your children, just looking at what they're bringing home from school, you can tell what they're frustrated with. You can have a conversation with the teacher or with their tutor to really figure out how to motivate them. It just takes that observation to really make the first step happen. And I think Mary already said this, please, parents, do not wait too long because yeah, we see them in middle school and, and they're like, well, I don't know what happened. And, you know, we are always thinking after the parents gone, well, what happened back in elementary school? It had to have been showing up. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you very much, Mary, for coming on the show and you know sharing your knowledge with all of our parents here who are listening. 
And folks, we will be back on again next week with a different guest. Take care for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember, I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.